NZ Aerosports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sell her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right. Lunatic Fringe back in the can for another edition of a PG, sometimes maybe PG-13, but still a PG-rated uh, Lunatic Fringe. Um, and I'm just going to dive right into it because I've kind of been on a family theme lately. I've been wanting to get perspectives from skydivers and their families as well. So who the heck are you guys and what do you do? I'm Dunya. Omar Hedgelon's daughter. <laughs> awesome. Dunya, that's a really cool name. What is, what is the, does the name mean anything? Yes. In Arabic, it means a world. In English, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah, yeah, because uh, we're not that creative when it comes to names. All right, who's everybody else? I'm Sherry. I'm Dunya's mama. 
Hi, and I'm Omar. I'm Dunya's papa. All right. So we've got uh, uh, three lovely folks in here to talk about all kinds of crazy stuff, skydiving and doing fun stuff and some scary stuff and some interesting stuff, right? Well, Dean, listen, right before we jump into this, first of all, I want to thank you very much for having us, for having me back and inviting the rest of the family. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. And if you don't mind, I would like to mention a couple of things Please. that I totally messed up with last time. Yes. So last time you asked me about what was the name of the tandem master at Everest Skydive. Ah. And it's a wonderful guy by the name of Anton Gilev. And my hat's out to you, buddy. Shout out to you, Anton. I'm so sorry. Please accept my apology <laughs> for forgetting your name i just i'm getting old i'm getting senile and i'm forgetting things i guess and the second thing is a second one again shout out to my good friend jack jeffries and my apologies jack i did not mention you when i was talking about the original uh four airspeed members dan bc mark kirkby kurt Werner, and of course the one and only jack jeffries nice so, jack jeffries please I'm so sorry. Please accept my apology. Well, hey, we're not getting any younger, right? So this stuff starts to slip after a while. You do, man. I've got way too many files in here. Right? And, and, and accessing all of them, it's not always easy. I mean, when you know as many skydivers as you have jumps, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people that's to juggle sure. around. You so. know about that. All right, so we're going to go uh, um, a whole all over the place on this. We're just going to talk about a bunch of cool stuff. But first off, Dunya, you are fantastic on a wake surfboard. Thank you. <laughs> Was this something that you got started doing um, because we were all real bored and, and doing the COVID thing for so long? No. So you've done that before? Yes. When's the first time you did it? Um, I think the first time that I did it was when I was eight, I believe. Like eight. And one time I just went with my dad to like try something new. Cool. And so I started off on the same board as him, and it was, like, really fun. Awesome. Uh, and you're how old now? I'm nine years old. Nine years old. So you started maybe a year ago. Yep. That's very cool. That's so. Do you think you got the enjoyment of doing some of the crazy stuff because of mom and dad? Mostly dad, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly dad. From mom. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Speaking of mom, so um, what's your crazy streak? What kind of stuff do you get up to? I, I'm a skydiver also at heart, although I've given it up many years ago. But every time I'm around skydiving, it's just an amazing um, sense that I have. It brings it back all around. It's. I mean, I've said it over and over again, and most of the guests have on the, the podcast, it's the community is probably the biggest tie to the sport. Absolutely. That's the first thing that drew me to it, because when I went for a tandem one time, it rained. And uh, I just hung around the drop zone and fell in love with the people and the mentality and just the energy. And I just kept going back and I finally got the tandem, but that was, I had already fallen in love with the yeah, sport. Yeah. I think the, uh, uh, at least for most of the people that I talk to, the addiction of the sport is so much more the hanging out after oh, the jump yeah. or the waiting for the jump. Absolutely. So how did you two meet? Eloy, Arizona. Sherry, you want to tell them the story? <laughs> I started jumping at the ranch. Okay. Fell in uh, with a really great group of people there. The weather had started to change. It was around October. And uh, a friend of mine, Punisher, had decided to go from... <laughs> Punisher. <laughs> <New> Year- <laughs> Skydivers. <laughs> 
<laughs> he decided to uh, get some work in California. I said, you know what, I need to get out of here. Let me come with you on this road trip. And um, we ended up at a pit stop in Arizona, in Eloy, and I met Omar that same night we landed because there was a party Surprise, surprise, right. happening on any given night there. <laughs> no, there's never parties in Eloy. In Eloy? No. no. I don't know what you're talking never. about. And that's it. I saw him, and the rest is history. And I was there for a week, and we just kept bumping into each other. I'd see him off in the corner, and the free fly corner, and <laughs> right? I just kept coming back. Now, what year would this have been? October of 04. Okay, so you were, you were Omar. <laughs> you weren't just that guy, Omar. You were Omar. I was Omar. All right. So, but she didn't know that, or did you? I was 20 jumps in. I had no idea about anything. How funny. It's, it's so funny because you get into the sport, and, and uh, um, obviously if you're in it any length of time, and especially if you're back from our time, you know these these key people that did some amazing stuff. But it's funny how s- still segmented the sport can be that Absolutely. people just don't have a clue. Absolutely. And so early on, you start to then become aware by the videos and the talking and the people that you meet that, yeah, yeah, there are some. <laughs> you look up on the screen and go, wait, that's, that's you? Yeah, exactly. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Did you use that to your advantage? No, uh, not really. So for, for me, I'll be honest with you. I was, it was love at first sight. Awesome. I was smitten. And, and, and people around the drop zone figured it out because one place I never go to was the bar. I don't drink. I'm not a drinker. <laughs> right. I never go to the bar. I'll, I'll go to parties. I'll go to people's uh, houses, trailers, so on and so forth at the drop zone. But the bar wasn't my scene. And then all of a sudden, like two nights in a row, I'm hitting the bar. Why? <laughs> For the chance to see Sherry. Because I'm like, okay, where is she? Where can I find her? Okay, she's probably at the bar. And I'd go to the bar and I saw her. And uh, the rest was history. Nice. Nice. Now, Absolutely. so... Did you guys, you stayed in uh, Eloy for a while or how did that work out? I was there um, over the Halloween boogie for one week. And uh, like he said, he came into the bar and I never went back to uh, to the bent prop. <laughs> and uh, then I continued on with my travels, but I kept coming back every month. And by February of 05, I was living in Arizona. Oh, wow. So now what did the, you were a relatively new skydiver. Yeah. Um, most people know where Omar got to start, but you started jumping in the ranch. Yeah, in well, New York. What made you decide you wanted to make the first jump? I'd always heard about skydiving. I never knew you could actually look in the yellow pages to find a <laughs> skydiving DZ around you. Right. So I just um, had met somebody who knew some skydivers, Eric and Emma Finn, and I uh, they brought me along to their world of fantasy and the drop zone, and that was it. The rest, it just, it called me. Nice. Just kept going back. Nice. And for you kids that are wondering what yellow pages are, is before the Google days, <laughs> yeah, right. before search. We actually had books, and they were called the Yellow Pages, and whenever you wanted to find something, you, you went through, through you flipped through those books. Yep. That's a waste of time. It is a waste of time. <laughs> well, but guess what? We didn't have computers back then, so we needed those Yellow Pages. You want to hear Trust something me, even crazier? When you found the phone number you wanted to call, you had to go to the phone that was attached to the wall to make the call. <laughs> exactly. Why was there a phone attached to a wall? Because it had to be wired into the wall, which meant you had to stand up next to the wall to have a phone call. Why? Because it was a long time ago. (laughs) How many people touched that? Exactly. (laughs) That's a good point. Boy, we live in different worlds, don't we? We live in really different worlds. When I was nine years old, there was no way I would be saying, who touched that? 
right? Are you kidding? I'm pretty sure I just started doing that a couple years ago. If you're talking about how many people touch that, imagine the payphones in the street that we used to use. What's a payphone? Payphone is almost as it's actually much worse. A payphone is a phone bolted into a big booth, a glass box that you'd have to go put money in, like quarters in. Usually, like in a street corner. Yeah, and then stand there with everybody looking at you while you're on the phone that's bolted to the ground. And then you had to have a whole bunch of quarters because depending on how far where where you were calling, you had to keep feeding the machine with quarters. Yeah, that's not fun, right? <laughs> and none of those phones had games on them. No. Nothing. No, no. no screens. You can make no a music Nothing. with the buttons, yep. tones, but that's about it. I'm old enough to remember when they didn't even have buttons. They had this little dial thing and you had to... Rotary dial. Long time ago. Long time ago. So what did the family think when you started skydiving? Yeah, they weren't too much a part of my life at that point. It was just... Just kind of doing your thing then. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Exactly. Cool. So then the transition to uh, Arizona was pretty easy to Absolutely. easy decision yeah, no, to make. Yeah, yeah. No, so, I was making them at that no, time. What were you doing uh, for work and, and life before you started jumping? I was living life. I just was just living? enjoying, yeah, enjoying the moment and kind of rolling with it. Nice. Did you still live, did you still live with your parents? Back no, then? no, I was. And how did you afford an apartment? <laughs> <laughs> That's life, a good baby. question. <laughs> you roll like this. the punches and you figure it out. Yep, you just kind of go with the flow. Did you still have an allowance? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was living off of the allowance that I saved from my early years. Nice. Okay. So once you hit uh, Arizona, you were jumping pretty active. Did you start working out no, there? I, no, I... Um, when did, how old was I? I was 30. I did my 30th jump on my 30th birthday. So oh, cool. all of these little things, you just kind of, they're whispers in life, right? That let you know you're on the right path. You're in the right area. And, sure. And doing the right thing. So, um, yeah, I started uh, massage therapy when I went out there. I took a course and just um, kind of living the... That's a good Halo That's life. a good gig to have Absolutely. at a drop zone. Absolutely. Man, oh man. Well, we were just talking before the podcast how beat up <laughs> we are. We definitely are, aren't we? Having, having a massage therapist around is a, is a good thing. The skydivers and the retired yes. communities. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, in Arizona, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody, all the snowbirds trying to stay out of the cold stuff and a bunch of beat up skydivers. Exactly. Oh, man, paying penance for past sins for sure. I've got all kinds of aches and pains. <laughs> it's amazing having a mom who's a massage therapist. I can imagine. My dad and I get sore all the time. Well, so how come you get sore? Because I know you're wake surfing. What other stuff are you doing? I do jujitsu before coronavirus. I also did diving. And also, I had this one. Oh, yeah, wind tunnel. I'm also doing wind tunnel. I'm learning how to sit fly, so my arms are very tight. That's rough, isn't it? It's it's difficult. Now, I've seen you in action in jujitsu, and you scare me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, too. I, uh, um, I was working with your dad and the coach either yesterday or the day before, and the coach pointed to you and said she could choke you out. I probably could. I'm guessing you could. There's no doubt. If you're anything like your dad, who just kind of beat me pretty hard yesterday, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so what got you into jiu-jitsu? Well... 
so this is quite a long story. So we got I time. Have, I have this one cousin. He's around the same age as me, like a month younger or so. His name is Khalid, and he is obsessed with WWE. Hmm. And so every time he, uh, we were together, he would drag me into his WWE fights, WWE like videos, WWE everything. And then like one day when we went, when I was at school and here, um, my dad just after school, I was in his car, and he's like, "You know how you love WWE?" I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> and then he says, "Well, you're going to do something kind of like that." I'm like, cool. Nice, nice. And so he, he dragged you off to the studio to go do jujitsu. I'm not done. Oh no, keep going. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and so actually, I was like a year too young to start. Mm. Um, I was a year too young to start. I don't remember like this, people saying that, but my parents told me this. Hmm. So like I was a year too young and then my parents were like, oh, just give her like one, one, like one, uh, one one class. If it's fine with you guys, she'll stay. If it's not, we'll come a year later. Cool. Um, and then the first thing that a coach told me to do was push this girl down. (laughs) (laughs) Like, push this girl down. I don't wanna push this girl down. Why? That's mean. That's mean. Why? Turned out to be a lot of fun, didn't it? Then I just ended up giving her a little nudge on the shoulder, like, well, I've seen you rolling now, and you're not giving little nudges anymore. <laughs> you're just, you're little sure not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're definitely not having to be told to push someone down. I've watched no. you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, well, let me tell you, Dean. For, I have uh, this philosophy about parenting, mm. and it's very simple. It's open as many doors as possible for your children, mm. but let them decide which ones to walk through. Sure. And so I've tried, and with uh, Sherry, we've tried to basically open as many doors in different activities and see which ones she likes. Sure. And so uh, I was having uh, lunch with a friend of mine, and I'm like, you know what? My daughter, she's now of a certain age, and I'm thinking that it's good for her to have some sort of self-defense. What do you think would be better, karate, you know, uh, kung fu, this, that, and the other? They're like, you know what, jiu-jitsu. And I'm like, why jiu-jitsu? And they explain the simple fact that, you know, you can learn how to kick and punch, Mm. but nine out of ten times someone's going to put you in a bear hug or put you on the ground. And what good is learning how to punch and kick going to do? Sure. And so uh, jiu-jitsu came along, and it's such a wonderful, gentle art to a certain extent because Mm. you're never kicking, you're never punching, you're never giving a knee or an elbow, but you're putting some... You can put a knee, and it's called knee on belly. So you can put a knee. <laughs> okay, but you're not hitting them hard with a knee. Just saying. <laughs> and uh, and you just basically tell the person, okay, listen, stop, or I'm going to have to submit you. Stop, or I'm going to have to choke you out. Mm. So it's a, it's a defensive uh, martial art. Sure. And uh, so she uh, we started her on it, and she loved it. And she's been doing quite a few competitions and doing really well. She's actually gone in competitions in Ireland and <laughs> nice. Italy and Abu Dhabi. Nice. 
I just uh, I watched a a video um, last night, as a matter of fact, uh, just randomly came up, and it was a 70-year-old guy walking through a parking lot that got mugged, but he was a jiu-jitsu practitioner, and he choked the guy out and got up and walked away. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Brilliant. Now, how did you get started in it? Well, I was dropping Dunya off every time, and instead, you know, while I was there and I was watching, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. I'd have a coffee or what have you. And then I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I just here just watching? Mm. Let me get into it. Let well, me start doing something. And so a few months later, I got into it. Nice. Well, I definitely got to take hats off to you for, for getting me to try it. I was always resistant because of my shoulders. I've got, you know, 25-year-old skydiving shoulders, um, and they've definitely taken their, their lumps. But uh, I like that it's a sport in which as soon as you're not comfortable, a little tap makes it all stop. Um, so if you get hurt, chances are it's because you were letting that ego do the fighting away, for you. Right? And luckily my ego is starting to fade. <laughs> and boy, isn't it incredible how many calories you burn? I mean, how gassed you can get so quickly. Oh, yeah. Well, it's we, unreal. We were talking about that yesterday because that's the first time I had a chance to roll with you and, and uh, uh, one other guy. And, and my goodness, I mean, I swim for 60, 90 minutes straight and I get out still pretty fresh but after not even five minutes i was maxed out i was completely gassed it was great it's incredible when you tighten every single muscle in your body how tired you can get yes in five minutes yes especially when you're laying in bed at two o'clock in the morning feeling every single muscle <laughs> that you tightened up man i can feel it a lot welcome to the club right well it's cool that you open those kind of doors for her. i think uh, um being able to give them all the options and and the the Word no, unless it's really needed, has always been kind of a bad word to me. You know, that's an experience that you need to get. Like my daughter, the same thing. If she had wanted to jump when she was younger, I would have allowed. I took her to the wind tunnel and she didn't want to fly in the wind tunnel because a cute boy was watching it and embarrassed her. Um, and I was I was just fine with that. My big thing, the, the running joke always was if my daughter wanted to skydive, I would absolutely let her as long as it didn't have to be on a drop zone. <laughs> the, the, be, because boys and girls are kind of weird on drop zones sometimes and okay. as a dad you get nervous for your daughter so I was a little nervous for my daughter but now she's old enough to take care of herself and she's been on a couple of jumps so it's kind of cool and now you fly in the wind tunnel yeah. and you like flying in the wind tunnel yeah. you going to be a skydiver if it fits in my schedule <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me, let me tell you a quick little story. Please, a quick please. A little anecdote. Um, but three, four years ago, about four years ago, Dunya started, Dad, I want to go skydive. Mm. I'm like, honey, you can't skydive in the States until you're 18. Dad, I want to go skydive. I'm like, honey, maybe in Europe. By the time in Europe, they're 15, so you got to wait till you're 15. And she kept persisting. She kept persisting. And, you know, I wanted to fulfill her dream, but I didn't want her to skydive for me. I didn't mm. want her to do a tandem because, you know, I'm the skydiver and she feels that she... I wanted her to do it only if she really wanted to. Sure. So make a long story short, I waited for two years. And for two years, she kept pushing, Dad, I want to go. Dad. And I knew that in uh, the summertime, actually in October... We were going to go to uh, Corsica. Mm. I had a gig working at, uh, at a boogie over there. And so she's like two months before the boogie. Uh, actually, it was four months before the boogie. She's like, Dad, I want to skydive. I'm like, honey, I told you, you can't. You have to wait. That same night, I went to the rigging loft. I talked to the rigger. I'm like, do you have any old harnesses that I can get, any Sigma harnesses? 
And he's like, yep, well, one is pretty good shape. I bought it from him. I sent it to my friend in France. <laughs> he went and started all, I got measurements of her. He started altering it to make, to fit her. <laughs> and then she kept asking me and I'm like, honey, no, no, no. And then we get to Corsica. And that first day we arrived there, I whip out the harness and I show it to her <laughs> and she starts bawling. That's she... not quite what I remember. Okay, what do you remember? <laughs> Tell me what you remember. That's probably so, more interesting. The day before we leave, yes. I ask again, Dad, I want to go skydiving. And then he's like, no. Uh, he doesn't say no like he used to, which was a different answer, and I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and he was like... During all this time that you were asking me, I was setting up this whole thing just so that he could get, just so that one of my friends could like measure it for me. Uh, yeah. And so it's like the day before we left. And that's when I started crying. Okay, so I let you in on the on the secret before Corsica. Yes. Okay. Well, we we all have our perceptions. And <laughs> sure. Things, so sure. In, in that way, you you see it that way. I see it a different, but that's irrelevant. At the end of the day, she ended up doing two tandems at the age of seven. Awesome. The was... big rig reveal, though. <laughs> the harness reveal. Now, mom, how did you feel about that? Okay, so I was really excited, but it all comes back to me because I th and I realized after the fact that my hesitation wasn't in fear. I mean, I, I, uh, she was in the best of hands. Sure. Omar knows the best of people. Sure. I, I, there wasn't any safety issue for me. Hindsight afterwards, I really wanted to jump. <laughs> I really wanted to be there for her first jump and I wasn't prepared. I'm not current. I haven't jumped in years. Sure. But I, the, the, the thrill that I saw on her face when she landed and was, I, I know that feeling that she was feeling that sure. was beyond anything. Well, especially at that age. At that age. I mean. Well, and then you start to wonder, honestly, like, I remember hearing about a six-year-old jumping, and I'm like, that's way too young. Like, what were they thinking? Right. And so then, here's, uh, how old were you? Seven? Eight? Seven. Seven. Here's my daughter, fully capable, fully wanting it, and you start to understand, okay? I sure. Mean, the ones that can jump and can handle it and are capable to understand what they're doing and not just sure jumping out of a plane, not really fully aware of what they're doing. Sure. No, she, she was completely there and present. So See, it's so funny that you wanted to jump um, with her. When my daughter did her first jump, I was absolutely terrified at the idea of jumping with her. I wanted nothing to do with that skydive. I put her with the best instructors. I made sure she got the tall, handsome Italian guy uh, and a great camera flyer that I yes. knew was going to take really good care of her. And there. then I stayed in the plane and stayed out of her good time because I would have been a mess. In free fall, I just wouldn't have been having fun. I would have been worried. I would have been watching every move the instructor made instead of just letting her have fun. And for you to not, yeah, you wouldn't have had fun. Either. No. No, I wouldn't have had any fun, and then she would have just had dad zooming around there, and I'm like, and no. the energy of you, like, 
Yeah, exactly. And I wanted her to have this fun time where she'd get to kind of flirt with the cute tandem instructor, the whole experience. You know, I wanted her to have all of that. And so I wanted to stay away from that. And, and I gave her that as well. And luckily, the, the really young jumping never came up. She wasn't interested for me, so I didn't have to make that decision. When I was living in New Zealand, uh, they don't have an age limit. And I, we had a family come out uh, that had three kids. Um, the youngest, I believe, was seven. Uh, and then uh, he was a boy was seven, and then a sister was, I want to say, nine, and then an 11-year-old brother. The seven-year-old goes first, and it's clear this kid would rather just be sitting in the dirt playing with Hot Wheels. He had no interest whatsoever. Didn't say anything, didn't do anything, but the dad was insistent. And I took this, uh, the smallest, youngest person I've ever taken in a standard harness. And so you're I'm pull-up cords tied everywhere, and I'm a nervous wreck. I throw the drogue and my arms are wrapped around the kid for the entire skydive, you know. Luckily, there was no video. So I just hung on. Uh, And it worked out, of course, perfectly. And I landed him. And he, again, was – he might as well have just been in the dirt. I don't think he noticed what happened. But the the girl – was a basket case, and her dad insisted that she go. And I'm under canopy going, oh, here's some permanent damage. This girl's going to be terrified of flying her entire <laughs> life. And so I think it's it's amazing that you guys, A, decided to let her jump, and B, made her ask so many times and waited so long because you knew by then this is something I want to do, which is cool. Exactly. So what made you decide you wanted to jump so bad? Is it because dad jumped and, and you just kind of knew it looked fun? I think um, it just—I don't know. Maybe unconsciously, like I—I I really want to do what my dad does, and mm. also I watched a lot of TV, and I wanted to know what it would be like to fly. Cool, cool. Now, how much do you know about your dad and his skydiving? Um, you know he does a lot of jumping, right? Yeah. And he's got some cool friends and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know how I know your dad? Jumping. From jumping, yeah. But when I started skydiving in 1996, like a long, long time ago, I was learning how to skydive watching videos of your dad doing stuff that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I'm sure you've seen all the videos now. Just incredible stuff. He was the one everybody was trying to copy. Him and just a very few guys were out there doing such amazing stuff that everybody had hero worship. And then I meet him, and he's just this cool guy. So you're lucky. <laughs> um, I have a question. Like, you from watching all those – wait, you watched the videos, right? Yeah, I watched all kinds of videos. What were you expecting him to, like, be like, like well, if you finally met him? There were a few people in the sport, and I'll keep names to myself, that um, were – around the same time and your dad knows some of these guys very well that were incredible in the sky but when they got on the ground they thought they were just as incredible on the ground as they were in the air and you know that type right it's just not nice you know and you have hero worship and you really respect somebody for what they do and you meet them and they just can't be bothered with you because you can't do what they can do well that's not your dad but that was a couple of the people that were in those circles now here's the happy ending to it those people that I'm thinking of have turned out to be amazing people. That's good. Yeah. They grew up and they kind of got over the ego that they had going on and realized that just because they're really good in the sky doesn't mean they're better than everybody else. Maturity. 
Yeah, a little bit of maturity there, absolutely. And they turned out to be incredible people as well, and a couple of them I called friends as well. But uh, um, it's it's a nice twist <laughs> when that happens, but it's also nice when it's not that way. So how was it for you? Because, again, since we're talking about those days, when you were running in those circles, yep. again, without names, you know who I'm, the, the oh, yeah, people that absolutely. I'm talking about. Did that rub you the wrong way when you'd see stuff like that? Uh, yes and no. Yes, it rubbed me the wrong way because I hate it. Sure. It's just so counterintuitive to what I am. Mm. But by the same token, people are what they are. You know, you can't, you can't sure. change people. You just have to accept them the way they are. Which, for with some people that shall remain nameless, it, it was tough. It was tough because I, too, had hero worship sure. for those people. And I did look up to them. And it was like, wow, seriously? It's a bummer, it's, right? It is a total bummer. It's a bummer. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I'm I'm very happy to say that I saw a lot of changes in the, in the all the years, you know, and you're going to see it. And I think now, especially for jumpers from our generation, the ego kind of has to take a backseat because there are so many incredible flyers now. Um, and the <laughs> things that they're doing are so out of control and beyond belief between the, the skydiving and tunnel flying and base jumping and terrain flying and all this Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. You, we're, I'm, I mean, I'm a dinosaur now, okay? Right. You know, you, you give me accolades, you, you say nice things about me, but at the end of the day, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I see what these people are doing, and it's like, right. give me well, a break. you're talking right now, and dinosaurs are extinct. So. <laughs> all right, he's getting towards dinosaur status. We all are. We all are. It's, uh, I mean, it, but it's kind of cool, though. I, I found, an, and I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, I, I kind of like getting to this point in my career where I know enough to know how to stay safe and do it right and, and uh, pass on that knowledge to people that want it. But, you know, it's it's kind of nice to look back and go, oh, I'm, I'm not the best at any of these disciplines. I'm not the best Scott ever jump pilot. I just do my best. It's nice to know. There's no, you don't have to go crazy trying to, you know, keep those medals rolling in or anything like that. Exactly. That had to be, well, I don't know if we got into it. Back when you were in those competition days, was there pressure uh, on you to keep competing and keep driving hard on that kind of stuff? Or was it just innovation? No, it was just innovation. We were into and we're all about innovation. In the early days, of course, it was all about trying, you know, you want to, you're innovating, so you want to be number one as well. And definitely getting the first uh, World Cup and the first World Championship was most definitely a goal. Yeah. You know, first competition, second place, third competition, third place, and then finally the fourth and fifth were both first place. And, <laughs> and so that was very important for me. But then after that, that was it. I, I was happy. I didn't, I wasn't all about having to come. Yes, USPA and so on wanted, and they're kind of leaning towards wanting more medals, obviously. Sure. But at the end of the day, I was just happy competing and going, and especially when I uh, teamed up with uh, Greg uh, Greg Gasson. Mm. It was all about fun. It was about all about art and sure. creating beauty and creating fun times and amazing jumps and incredible visuals. To this day, Greg will tell you, his, in his eyes and in mine as well, the best jump that we ever did in competition where we showcased our abilities the best was probably one of the worst scoring jumps from the judges. <laughs> but it was okay. We didn't care. Yeah. We saw the scores. We were like, yeah, so what? We know what we did and we loved it and we were happy. So, and that's that's the coolest part about it. That's the coolest part about it. So now, how 
you've been watching this guy jumping forever. Um, you were watching the rock star days and, and watching him transition to bouncing all over the world and doing cool stuff all over the place. Do you get that itch to jump again? You know, I do. And then the reality sets in that it, skydiving served its purpose for me. <laughs> it was the right time, the right place. It led me to this amazing life that I have now. Mm. And I was such a nervous jumper anyway. I mean, honestly, the whole plane ride up was a nightmare. And then you jump and you're, oh, yeah, that's what this is about. But I'm okay. I, I'm a skydiver at heart, like sure. I said. But um, no, I, 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 I did that. And I'm so happy that it introduced me to the life. Sure. I was a nervous jumper for a long, long time as well, and I started working in the sport so early that I had to mix being a nervous wreck with doing the job as well. And it's you do it anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. You push through, and I learned a lot of valuable lessons about myself and about other people when you have to. You put yourself in a position where you got to do this, you know. And you're jumping out of an airplane. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's nuts. That's I, beyond. I, I got my tandem rating of fighting tooth and nail not to get it. Did not want it, hated it for the first hundred jumps. And for the first hundred jumps, I guarantee I was more nervous than my students. Yeah. On every single one of them. There's so much more responsibility. Oh, yeah. Well, and you feel like such a fraud when you're the guy that's got the rig on your back taking care of somebody going, I'm clearly freaking out more than this guy is. And you feel like a fraud. (laughs) People ask me, are you a tandem instructor? No, I'm just trying to get myself done safe and sound. Thank you very much. I have no desire to take that extra step. Yeah. Well, and the whole uh, being a tandem instructor, the whole uh, uh, saying fake it till you make it's not a great way to go. (laughs) (laughs) and I I had the ability to do it but you know so now you said you might want to be a skydiver if it doesn't interfere with your schedule so what else is going to be on that schedule um so my dreams I'm not sure if this might if this will happen but um that's what dreams are for Yes. So hopefully lawyering. Lawyering. Coming a lawyer. That's right. You were just telling me the other night that you're already scoping out universities to go to school at. Yeah. You're nine. Mm-hmm. You're nine years old mm-hmm. and you're thinking about universities. Yeah. Wow. I wasn't thinking about universities the year I was supposed to go to university. <laughs> what were you thinking about? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I had a lot of creative jobs, and they all led me towards jumping out of airplanes. Okay. Yep. What, else, what else do you want to do? Acting. Um, I like it. You've definitely got that kind of personality. You are not scared to say what's on your mind. I like that a lot. Thank you. Yep. Yep. I like that a lot. That microphone doesn't scare you even a little bit. No. <laughs> and I have a question that is completely unrelated. Please, shoot. Does- what was the funniest thing you've ever witnessed? Ooh, <laughs> all right, let me, we're keeping this PG. <laughs> um, I've it, you mean in skydiving or just ever? Ever. Oh goodness. Well, let's stick to skydiving since we're talking mostly about skydiving. Okay. Um, I've seen people fall asleep on tandems, pass out cold. When you take a student, that's kind of funny when they wake up on the ground not knowing what's just happened. That that always makes you kind of giggle a little bit. Um, this one's only funny because I have kind of a um, horrible sense of humor, but I once watched a guy propose to a girl in the airplane and she said no and then jumped. <laughs> 
which I know is horrible, wow, but it made me laugh. Hurts. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose the whole plane had the same mentality on that one. If you're not sure the answer to that question, shouldn't have asked it. Yeah, probably shouldn't get on your knee in a twin otter on your way to altitude. Now the scary part was that guy also had to go jump as well. <laughs> so, and then pull. Can you imagine? Down. Can you imagine? Yeah. So those were pretty funny. I watched a, a really, really big, strong guy and his little itty bitty girlfriend go up to make a skydive, and he chickened out. He couldn't jump, and she did. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Guys get scared easier than girls a lot of the time, I think. Yeah. Also in movies, it's like most of like the big buff guys that are like the most sensitive. <laughs> like the like, like if you see a big buff guy, you would think that he was going to be angry and like mm. like won't Aggressive. care what you say. Yeah, yeah. No, sometimes they're like that, but uh, I think you're right. It's the big guys Mostly that always. The no, so it happens a lot in real life, too. When I used to do tandems in Las Vegas, we'd get uh, big, big buff guys would come out to jump all the time, and they would pretend to be really tough until they got on the airplane, and then they'd get really scared. I took this guy named Randy, and I remember his name for a reason. Randy was a really, really big guy. He came out in a little muscle T-shirt and baseball cap and, and glasses that made him look mean, and he came with his wife and his buddy, and they surprised him with a skydive. And he was trying to be real tough, and I wish I didn't have to go with somebody else and all that stuff until we got on the airplane, and then he just turned into a big pile of bubble gum. He was just goo, and he begged me to get him to go out of the airplane. He's like, you can't not let me jump because my wife will just, they'll, they'll never, never let me, yeah, I'll down. never live it down. So I got him to jump and he ended up having such a good time that when we landed, I disconnected him on the ground and he forgot that his wife and his buddy were there and he turned around and he jumped on me, knocked me to the ground and kissed me on the mouth. <laughs> before he ran to his wife. That's actually when I decided I like being a, sky, a tandem instructor, not because a guy kissed me, because I watched this big... Oh, yeah. I watched that big, muscly guy just for one minute forget he's supposed to be that tough guy. And he got to be himself probably for the first time in his adult life. And I watched him running away to his wife, whose jaw was on the floor going, all right, that's kind of cool. That's that's amazing. So that's one of the funny ones too. Is is having a big whiskery guy kiss me on the mouth? <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> um, mom, what's yours? Oh, let's. Uh, I you'll have to come back to me on that one. All right, Pop. What do you got? Uh, I got. I got to hear. I got a funny story of something that happened to me. It's kind of an embarrassing <laughs> and funny story all in one. I like it. So uh, we had just flown in to uh, Cairo to do the jumps over the pyramids. Incredible, incredible venue, incredible place. Mm. Getting to jump over one of the wonderful wonders of the world. Sure. Amazing. So I were at the hotel room. We were getting ready to go to sleep. I set my alarm clock on the because I had to wake up pretty early. And uh, we all go to sleep, the three of us, Sherry, Dunya, and myself. Alarm goes off. I switch it off. I get up try to be quiet, go to the bathroom, and jump in the shower. About two minutes into the shower. I wake the... up. I'm wondering, what is he doing? It's it's 3 o'clock in the morning. He's in the shower. What is he doing? Is he okay? And then I start to worry. So I go into the bathroom, babe. What are you doing? 
<laughs> so actually, she comes <laughs> screaming to that. What are you doing? Babe, and I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm getting ready to go jump. She goes, it's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not. I set the alarm clock for six. It rang. I switched it up. She goes, I don't know what you're doing, but it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I went and I looked and it was three o'clock in the morning. Yep. So somehow I must have dreamt the alarm <laughs> clock went off and <laughs> a dream within a dream, if you want, or sleepwalking or what have you. I just got up. I went and started taking this shower. You were ready to jump the pyramids. I, I was excited and I was ready to go. I mean, talk about what a dope. I oh, mean, I'm telling you. Bed all wet. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Now, speaking of, since we got on that subject, how did the pyramids start? Had the jumping the pyramids? Because I've been. I was lucky enough to accidentally go there on a, a flight back from Switzerland, and it's incredible. I can't fathom jumping. There. It is the most incredible sensation. I mean, I've jumped in all seven continents, North Pole, Antarctica, and I can tell you this ranks up there with all of them. Oh, it'd have to. Oh, Daddy? incredible. Yes, my. North Pole isn't a continent. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's not a continent. Uh, I was just saying, I've jumped to seven continents, North Pole. And Antarctica. Antarctica is a continent. He's, okay. <laughs> he's, he's jumped some very cool spots. And it was, it's, it's incredible. I mean, the energy of that place. And mm. We've all seen it from the ground. We've, uh, a lot of us have been lucky enough to see it from inside. We've all seen it on documentaries and mm. National Geographic and so on. But to actually be able to exit a C-130 military <laughs> transport at 15,000 feet free fall while looking at these huge incredible architecture mm. that, that was built thousands and thousands of years ago it's beyond comprehension yep yep and, and i can't I, I can talk for half an hour and i can use every adjective in the world and it doesn't even come close it's like you know when you when you first try to explain to someone what skydiving is all about sure and you're like look there's no words you just have to try it and then you tell me yep it's the same. When I only got a small taste, uh, I was lucky enough that when I was flying to Switzerland, uh, the air traffic controller routed us right over the top of the Giza pyramids. And I think we were at about 10,000 feet. So right. you can see everything in the whole layout. And you can still, you can make out the Sphinx and the pyramids. Uh, they were lined up Oh, perfectly. yeah. No, it's absolutely incredible. And so to be able to... Uh, even just look down from there, but I can't imagine the unobstructed view, not looking through a scrubby twin otter window. And, and not only that, so here you are flying, you're in free fall, you're looking at them, then you open your parachute, and you can swoop them because we're landing right <laughs> in between the two. They laid out these carpets, you know, Amazing. and we're literally right landing a hundred meters from the pyramids. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just that's incredible. We're, uh, you know, hashtag blessed. Well, you know, that's one of the the cool things about. So you go to any places like that in the states that are historical monuments, and you can't get within fifty feet of these things. Yep. Uh, but uh, the pyramids, or uh, going to Petra in Jordan, mm -hmm. these places, you can still go right up and touch the stone that was carved. How I mean, just it's incredible. Unreal. Yeah, it's unreal. So, it what did you think of the pyramids? Unreal. Oh, um, they were. They were cool. I didn't get the chance to look at them from above, like my dad. Um, but, yeah, and actually, I just remember them now, uh, this now. So, it was really hot outside, and, we, and my mom and I were waiting for my dad to land. So, we went back into the bus to play a card game every once in a while. We look out the window, 
Is he coming? No. Continue. And then one time, look. You landed. <laughs> you missed it. And like, not just that, but that one time, the one time that we missed it, he made an effort to land on the carpet. Oh, <laughs> and you missed it for a card game. Oh, well. And to miss the heat. It happens. Don't forget the heat. It happens. <laughs> so now you've been at the base of those pyramids. How do you think they made those things? Um, how can I describe it? I've heard a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. Well, actually, so you might have heard that it was slaves that did it. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. Because all the people that died there got buried inside the pyramids. Huh. And if they were slaves, they wouldn't have gotten that luxury. And they use like inclines to make it easier for the brick bricks to slide down. Oh, cool! Yeah. I heard somewhere that they had a pretty good handle on how they thought they made it, but I must admit I didn't pay that much attention. <laughs> you think aliens made it? No. So, Unless you think Egyptians are aliens, then I no. like the whole alien idea. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. That aliens made it. Yeah, sounds great. I, I think that's a wonderful idea. I don't think it's true, but it would be really cool. It's a good story. It'd be a great story. That's like my worst nightmare. Aliens? No. If I were the Egyptians. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> true. Like, yeah. They yep, took yep. it away from us. <laughs> aliens! Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would piss me off too if the aliens, aliens. got to take credit for it. Yeah, instead yep. of all that. We spend like years or something building pyramids and then yeah. aliens. They get the credit for <laughs> it. Bravo, aliens. Bravo. So now on all the travels, do you guys go on uh, everything with him? I mean, he's jumped to all seven continents and all these amazing places. How many of these have you guys gone to? We've been fortunate enough to tag along on some really cool. That's the beauty of Omar's arc of his career of mm. skydiving is it, it's not so much uh, quantity anymore. Now it's quality, right? Mm. He's taking it to the ends of the earth mm. um everest i think is one of the highlights still yeah. i mean yeah. we've, we went um two times omar and i together and uh this past year uh we took dunya that was the, uh, the dream that we'd been looking forward to so that was really cool to have her along on the canopy of, of in the mountains oh yeah experience um egypt we went to corsica like you mentioned where else dunya so I was just going to say something about Nepal. Yeah. So at first my mom was really excited about me being able, being able to go there. But then once when I was actually there, her mother instincts started kicking in. <laughs> I mean, what are we you're doing? on a mountain. Like, yep. Um, it's imagine, a, you've been there. Oh, I've been there. You know and what that hike is like. Oh, we yeah. were very lucky because we had a doctor and a nurse. Absolutely. That's right. Were you just jogging up that mountain? How did you feel when you yeah, were going? Yeah, I was, I was literally jogging <laughs> up So you would have been one of the little kids that ran past me making me go grumbling because I'm struggling. Imagine up, up right. the Nancy steps. Oh, oh man. And I was there with Doc Ryan. How was it? How was it for you? Did, did you go to base camp? No, we didn't go to base camp. We went as uh, far as the Sorry, Namchi. Namchi? Yeah. yeah, that's Namchi still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Namchi is no joke. Just getting there I is know, right? something else. <laughs> Absolutely. 
It really is. Yeah. Now, is that is getting to base camp something you'd like to do? Nah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm like the wind. I can go. I cannot go. It's, it, it's whatever. I, I don't really have desires to do and go anywhere. Nice. Yeah. So now, how do you feel about uh, uh, some of the places that he's jumping or untouched places? Jumping something like Everest or and him making it happen. Like, yeah. He, he has a dream. He has a goal. He wants to do something. And what he does to make that actually come to light is, is sure. inspiring. It's really cool to see. It's... Now, for jumps like Antarctica and stuff, there's there's a definite extra chunk of risk there. Does the does the worrying mom no. kick in? Sure. I'm his uh, wife that just admires his desire to go do these things, and I will never, ever be in, stand in his way. I will always support his... Well, it wouldn't work between you. I mean, you guys have been together for a long time now. That would not happen if you were going to be the type no, that stood in his way. why would I ever hold him back? I mean, this is how I met him, and I just want him to just succeed and continue on his path of greatness but actually I, I want to take it to the next step which is to thank them because if it wasn't for them mm. I wouldn't have been able to do all the things that I do not only am I lucky enough to be able to come up with these dreams and then to realize my dreams but then I have the support and the love of Sherry and Dunya that stand behind me they know sometimes I'm going to be gone for a week two weeks a month mm. and yet you never hear anything but go awesome. make it happen do it we're behind you we stand with you you know sometimes uh, like the Antarctica jump I mean that was about three years of preparation mm. you know just to get that done to make the first jumps at Union Glacier it had never been jumped before that's so crazy so, uh, well, who was the crew that was on that with you Oh, I had a bunch of really nice people. You love doing this to me, don't you? You love, you <laughs> love asking me questions, and then I got to scratch. <laughs> so I had I had a great crew. I had a guy called Mark Allen, uh, who was with us. Carol Perry was also with us. You know Carol. I think so. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Libor uh, from Czech Republic was with us, and uh, from Tennessee. From Tennessee, what's her name? Oh, God. No, you do this to me every time. It's okay. On the third podcast, you'll get him back. <laughs> I, I, I'm so sorry. I promise I'll help. I'll, I'll, I'll bring up your name next time. Okay, come on, Omar. Come on, Omar. But as I was saying, absolutely. And, and I owe them uh, a world of gratitude sure. for, for being so supportive and for letting me do this. And uh, uh, not really a trade-off, but I'm, I'm happy that I was able to pay it back in a way. Sure. Because it came to my, I, one day I was, actually I was in Nepal and I was thinking about, you know, how supportive they are and how great it is and everything. And for a few years, Sherry had been telling me, okay, I want to homeschool Dunya and I want to go around the world. Mm. And I'm like, no, not now. I want to homeschool Dunya, I want to go around the world. I'm like, no, not now. And I remember talking to her from Nepal and saying, you know what, honey? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. And we did. And we uh, basically packed all our stuff, set up a trip, and decided, here we go. And pulled her, talked to her school, let her know what we were doing, and off we went. Wow. Well, I mean, what an opportunity. How many kids get to go around the world? What did you think of all that? Wow. You're, you're nine, and I guarantee you've been places that I've not been yet. Probably. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you have. So, um, how was that actually? It was like a mixed emotions because 
for some reason, I was just thinking about jungles. <laughs> I, I think, like when they mentioned the world tour, I was just thinking of jungles. I don't know why. Okay, fair enough. And also, at uh, school, I had this best friend. Her name was Ava.、Mm-hmm. And so,、um, yeah. Tough to say goodbye to Ava to go travel the world. Oh, not just that. <laughs> so, like, we said goodbye, and then, like, like a quarter of the way through of the world travel, my mom comes up to me and says. Junior, Ava has left Dubai permanently. Oh no! Yeah, she moved to Singapore. But what started off our whole year of travel was going to visit Ava in Rwanda. So、what? it was that I works. Mean, we got to see. Yeah, Rwanda、incredible. was pretty fun. We did some zip lines, or was I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Rwanda we, we did, did many、so、zip lines. They're like zip lines with the monkeys, or was、mm-hmm. it with like birds? No. That was that was in、uh, Thailand. Sorry, the, with the monkeys and the birds. Ah,、so uh, it's okay. Anyways, If you've been so many places that you get one cool place confused with the next one, I'd say you're doing pretty good. <laughs> I'd say you're doing really good. <laughs> um. Yeah, going. Yeah, it was super fun. They had this like. Have you ever watched Toy Story? Of course. You know, like the slinky dog. I do. Like, that type of dog. Yeah. They had that type of dog, and he was awesome. adorable. Awesome. Mom,、mm-hmm. tell、yes. them about the gorillas. Oh yeah, Omar and I had the opportunity to hike through the jungles of、uh, the border of Rwanda and in the, in the Congo and to the mountains there. And in about a, an hour in, we were maybe with six or seven other people on a small tour because they only allow one a day.、Mm. You start to hear a rustle around you. You're in the jungle. <laughs> You're like, what could that be? Is that a bird? No,、nope, those are the apes that you've just encountered. Wow. You 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 hear them, you feel them, and then all of a sudden, there they are, right there, between、uh, from where you are sitting to where、oh, wow. we are sitting. Wow. Silverback gorillas. Really. Doing their thing,、yeah. <sighs> giving a care to us. I mean, obviously they knew we were there, but it was just so cool to see them in there. Natural habitat, and they're protected there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it was so humbling to be in their turf. Oh yeah, and you know, to you're so small, you see them. This guy, you know, can just destroy you. Oh yeah, a, you know, with a blink of an eye. But to be next to them, to be next to、wow. such beautiful nature in their habitat, was beyond humbling. Oh, it had it to be. It had to be. Incredible. The only thing I have like that was being able to do a dive, an open water dive with、uh, bull and tiger sharks in Fiji, as I was lucky enough to live in Fiji for about eight months, jumping out there, and、uh, spent the last two months I was there doing nothing but scuba diving. And they have this ama- amazing dive spot,、uh, um, and it's called Benga Adventure Divers,、uh, B E Q A for anybody that's interested in going, and it is ridiculous. You go down, and、uh, um, at any given time on their deeper dive, they'll be 60 plus bull sharks, and you're open water swimming.、Uh, and if the tiger shows up, they have a tiger called Scarface. That's、uh, I want to say 17 foot, nose to tail, and they call her Scarface because she had fishing line caught on her on her. And、uh, when she shows up, everything else leaves.、Right. And she's the slowest swimmer because、mm-hmm. she doesn't, she doesn't to need、fast. to go fast anywhere. And it's 
uh, everybody's like, are, were you scared? Were you freaking out? And no, I was stunned. I was just in awe because you. I think it's with the gorillas. You realize if they want me, there's nothing I can do. So I may as well just sit back and be amazed. But also, have you ever heard of a shark attack in the deep? No. It's always at the at the surface. Oh yeah. Although <laughs> I on. did I did just watch a comedian that said a great bit about shark attacks, and uh, um, he was saying something about it was a heavy year for shark attacks, and someone says, yeah, all the shark attacks uh, happen in shallow water at the shore, and the guy's like, yes, that's because that's where the people are, in shallow water. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> He's like, 90% of shark attacks happen on the shore. That's where the people are. And yeah. seals, too, so come on. Give them some credit. They yep, yep, are yep. after the people. I did the swim from um, the, every year they have the Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon. Okay. Uh, where you swim from Alcatraz Island to mainland in San Francisco, and uh, um, they warn you about the current, the cold water, and the seals, but they don't warn you about the fact that Northern California is a great place to find great whites. Yep. Ooh, that's a nervous swim right there. Oh, and also, I read this somewhere. It's acting. Um, the sharks don't really mean to eat the humans. It's just because they're used to eating seals, and they don't have, like, the great eyesight as we do. And also because underwater, it's harder to see things. Sure. Yep, they come up to take a nibble and taste, and, huh? Uh, and they think that we are, like, the seals. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you put uh, some silly guy like me in a black wetsuit and go do a great impression of a seal. Mm-hmm. Chances are, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm asking for a little bit of trouble. Tasty. Yeah, they say that the when the shark attacks happen, it's usually mistaken identity. So the shark thinks you're something else. They'll come bite you and realize you're not what they expected and leave you alone. Unfortunately, if a great white comes up to you know say hello and take a nibble, chances are that's half of you. <laughs> so exactly. But could you also imagine, um, you know, the tonic state that you can put them in? Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, yeah. You can just put them in this state of just in your lap. Oh, yeah. No, it's absolutely incredible. More it really is. Than male. There is the, the recent video of the uh, young lady that swam with the, the largest great white ever recorded. And that shark just doesn't have a care in the world. She swims up to him and pets him and this and that. And again, I think it's the same thing. You just realize um, this is not I'm skydiving. Done. I have no control here. <laughs> absolutely correct. So uh, what's the next big adventure? You guys got any plans once? Uh, uh, yeah. Just the waiting game of it all. It is that as well. Well, you guys, uh, uh, more than a lot of people, have gotten real creative with keeping yourselves entertained, though, which has been really good. I see a bunch of Facebook posts where you're keeping yourselves and her interested. Oh, actually, I just remember this now. I think during Corona, my mom and I actually created a board game at, yep. um, from a Motion Gate pamphlets. Oh, we, nice. We were invited to go to Motion Gate with her best friend who was visiting, and it was just at the beginning when it was hitting, and we didn't know anything about the, the crowds. We just heard, let's just kind of hibernate for a while. And so we didn't get, have the opportunity right. to go with them. And so we had the pamphlet. I said, okay, so. Made a board game out of it. Yeah, yeah. And we had one also in Chinese, so we had double the images. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, it's keeping it creative is the big thing, right? Because... Especially with people like us, boredom does not sit well. We want to be out doing something, even if it's something silly. So when somebody says the only thing you have is the couch in the living room, it gets uh, it can get interesting. We started we started doing we started doing the little D minute classes, and so she would she would get we would do these minute to three minute videos 
where some little tutorials where she'd be teaching magic tricks. I saw one of those. Forms, yeah. uh, cooking, you name it. Well, and she's joined in on the on the challenge that I threw to you. Uh, for anybody that hasn't seen you on Facebook, uh, doing the 25 push-ups a day for 25 days for PTSD and stress and anxiety, um, which I think is a great cause. In fact, you'll 100%. find this interesting. I got a great message from someone who had seen me doing the challenge, uh, and I won't mention names, but she had said that uh, her son, who I think is 14 or 15 years old, uh, deals with uh, major anxiety and, and uh, has a lot of problems that way. Uh, and uh, saw the videos and kind of got inspired to talk about the fact that he deals with that, which is huge. I mean, if me doing something silly like a bunch of push-ups can get some kid to go, hey, maybe I should talk about this, it's a big deal. And so to see you two and Dunya, come on, really? You doing push-ups and clapping your dad's hand in between push-ups? Yeah. Man, you're like gonna... sometimes, like during the day, just randomly at random moments, my dad's like, "What cool way can we do push-ups now?" <laughs> it's awesome. Try it's to good. Out a new way to keep it excited. Yeah, you got to keep it interesting, right? Like with the, like with a look, like what way? <laughs> no, I just like the fact that you joined in on it. You're you're gonna be a little rock star. And uh, honestly, people might think otherwise, but it's all her. It's not that I say, oh, okay, come on, Dunya, you have to do these with sure. me. She just pops up and it's like, okay, I'll join you. Oh, yeah. The first time, actually, but then I then I realized, oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, I've seen you do jujitsu. I don't think you're going to be too nervous about anything like that. <laughs> you're going to be just fine. So as we start tapering off towards the end, I want to know, um, as – a skydiver that's retired and still an active skydiver and a young daredevil. She says lawyer and talks about university and all that kind of stuff down the road. But what if she hits that ripe old age of, oh, 15, 16, 17 years old and goes, you know something? I want to go fly nylon. That's it. This is this is my calling. What does that mean? She, if you, you want to just go be a skydiver. Uh. Um, is there part of you that's going to wince a little bit? Or is it going to be a choose your own path and, and love your life? Choose your own path and love the life. Man, hats off to you guys. You know, for, for me, as long as she's healthy and happy, that's all I care about. You know, I'll tell you what, and I'm sure you'll both agree, uh, the current condition, not just uh, uh, in the U.S., but all around the world, really, I think, is making people reevaluate what's important and what's happy, you know, what happiness means. And it's so much more important than a fat bank account or a fancy car. Bringing it back to basics. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like driving a nice car and I like living in a nice place, but I've had just as much, if not more fun living in a 17 foot pop-up trailer uh, you know on the side of a drop zone you know yeah you know so that's very cool but there's a lot of parents even skydiving parents are like yeah I, I don't care if my kid decides to jump but i wouldn't want them to adopt the lifestyle but i don't think that that's uh, yeah I, I i think the lifestyle is a lot more appealing just in a, a good for your head kind of way and also maybe it's part of her journey. It'll lead her to something great as it has led most of us. And yeah. I have a really funny story. Please. Nothing to do with this. I just thought of it. <laughs> Fire. I want to hear it. Is that fun? Yeah, I want to hear it. Perfect. This is a bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> so you wake up one morning and it's the day before my mom's birthday. Okay. Like, the day before my mom's birthday, normal morning, like, my dad and I are acting normal, my, like, 
Good morning, Mom. Okay. <laughs> well, we're having a breakfast. Okay. Can I have cereal instead? <laughs> so giving her normal cool. mom hard time. And then, like, and then when we're in the car, she's like, Honey, all I would like is just a simple happy birthday. That's all I want. Just a happy birthday. I like, gave him the silent treatment all morning, like, waiting. Like, <laughs> waiting for this. Like, all morning long. I just want, I've just been waiting for this happy birthday. It's like you don't even notice. <laughs> and then I'm like, Mom, your birthday's tomorrow? No! <laughs> oh, that is... Oh, I was pissed. Awesome. I was just waiting. You're not going to forget my My family birthday. doesn't love me. My husband's no not way. acknowledging. My daughter's not acknowledging. She was so excited about days. it. She... <laughs> and she tells me that your birthday's tomorrow. So imagine the build-up the next day was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we got a couple more months left, so... Not this year, guys. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. See, my girlfriend announces uh, a month before and then every day up to the previous week. I don't want to have to announce it. Oh, no, she does all of that and plans her own party because she's like, no one is more excited about my birthday than me, and I know that, so I'm going to take care of it. And I'm the complete opposite. What do you want for your birthday? What do you want to do? And I'm like, I just want to wake up. I just, <laughs> just want to live another day. Yeah, Thank you yeah. Very much. Yeah, I, I really... At this point, I'm kind of not counting numbers anymore. <laughs> not at all. Well, so as we taper things off, we're, we're still kind of in COVID, but we're at least back to jumping a little bit and back to a slightly normal life. But oh, what's the first the big thing you guys are looking forward to once this is all said and done? Um, family. Big party. Nice. Probably. Nice. Travel and see yeah. family. Do nice. you know what I'd probably do? What's After that? After COVID... I would like look back and see all the rule, all the things that we didn't do. Do them all at once. <laughs> do them all at once. One big list of things. Huh? Like, when will I need this? Let's burn it. Yeah. <laughs> when it, will I need these? Let's burn it. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how quickly overnight we had a new normal? Oh yeah. Isn't it unbelievable oh, yeah. how we went from living what we used to think was a normal life to having this new social distancing, oh, wear yeah. a mask, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, and I'll tell Lockdowns. you I'll tell you what, I'm I I'm very happy to have seen and, and proud of most skydivers in the way that they um, were as responsible as they could be, especially getting back to jumping and using masks and full face helmets and all these things that they can do to protect themselves and, and uh, those that they love. Uh, and my big thing, too, was um, the outcry that I saw online when uh, they were unsure whether or not USPA was going to be pushing for nationals. Uh, and I saw a lot of people really upset. Uh, that there was even a thought that they were going to go through. And I was so proud of the USPA and so proud of all those people that voiced their opinions because the USPA scrapped it. Uh, and They had to. Absolutely. You know, I mean, even if there's the chance that only one or two people would catch that, it's too big a chance. It was a responsible thing yeah, to do. Yeah, and, and it was amazing to see because, I mean, let's face it, we live in a world where not necessarily the responsible things are done anymore. Um, so it was so good to see because I'm sure you guys hopefully feel the same way. I always give skydivers a little bit more credit for being a little bit more open-minded uh, and a little bit more adverse to um, uncontrollable risk and stuff like that. Uh, 
uh, I give skydivers more credit than I give non-skydivers just because I know what we deal with with our sport. Uh, and also because we're so in tune with um, ultimate consequences, you know, so it's a big deal. Um, there's always going to be another boogie. There's always going to be another nationals. There's always going to be another season to jump as long as we're smart now. Yeah, and it's really, really good to see. I was, I was really proud to see all of that as well. And I'm like, you guys, as soon as they uncork this thing, oh, because I was supposed to go to Nepal again this year. Right. I was going to go back up there. In fact, I've got a new goal um, I want to talk to you about because you've climbed Island Peak, haven't you? Yes, sir. All right, I want to do Island Peak, but I want to do Almadoblum too. Almadoblum, well, that's now that's, that's a proper ball game. Yeah, but that's, I want to do proper uh, climbing. That's I want to go back and do Island Peak because I know that yeah. that's one of the the um, Himalayan that's bunny that. slopes. It is, it's exactly <laughs> that, and you know what? It's hard as hell. oh, it has to base camp kick my butt. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, it's no joke. It's no joke. When you're getting up to 21,000 feet, it's yeah. no joke. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, even when I was there, they had uh, um, a uh, an expedition go uh, Amadablam, and they got caught in a little bit of bad weather, not even anything too particularly bad. And one guy had really bad frostbite that he ended up having to deal with, and that's off of one that's supposed to be a manageable climb. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the definition of manageable. I don't think Amadablam anything. is a technical climb. Yeah. Because you're not not only have the hardcore altitude and the edge, but you have technical climbing. I've watched, there's a, a video loop that runs in my gym all the time, and it shows the technical portion of mm -hmm. that where on the ground it would be a proper 5.7 for climbing. I mean, you're roped up and it's oh, yeah. hand over foot proper climbing at more than 20,000 feet. If you, don't, if you don't count the altitude, it's, and, and I know alpinists are going to laugh at me for this, but it's easier to do Everest than it would sure. be Amade de Blanc, if you don't count yeah, the, well, the death I, zone. I don't think there's any uh, any argument that uh, Everest is not a technical climb. No, it's a all. It's a slog, and it's danger of altitude and weather. 100%. Yeah, so it's 100%. it's not technical, but yeah. Amade de Blanc for it sure. It sure is. Hey, all the more power to you. Yeah, well, awesome. we'll see. That's we'll great. see. That's, That's my daydream. <laughs> hey, man. So we'll see. Turn it into reality, for sure. Absolutely. Well, we're going to push for it anyway. Yeah, I like it. What, I like it. it. Anything, uh, anything left to any more stories, anything to say before we fade out? Mm, not really. Any Thanks questions for, for Dean? Us. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah? What do you got? Why do you have a tongue piercing? <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to keep this PG-13, so let's just say it was a silly choice that I made a whole lot of years ago. And Jewelry. I'm, and it's stuck. It won't come out. <laughs> I can't get it to come apart. You know, some people pierce their earring ears. Like, if you drink something, uh -huh. if you, does it like, get stuck on it? How would you clean it? That is that's a good question. That's a, that's that's a really good question. It's mouthwash. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Same, same. Okay. Yeah, just like an extra like if it's like, if tooth. It's like, if it gets rusty, how do you like clean Luckily, it doesn't get rusty. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't get rusty. Whew, and on that All note. Right, on that, <laughs> on, on that note, the, the most. What a great segue to saying goodbye. The, the most so uh, uh, PG-rated podcast I've ever managed to do, and we're finishing it off with that question. So there's a whole lot of people that are laughing right now going, dude, just say it. Dude, just say it. Just but say I'm not it. going to. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Rockstar. Don't choke me out when we're doing jujitsu, all right? Why? Well, <laughs>
and, and the way she said, what? Yeah. Like, that's such an angel. All right, maybe you got to let me practice a little bit so I can put yeah. up a fight. All right? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having us. It's thank really you once again. It's been an honor thank as you. always. And uh, we're guys. having such a good time. Thanks Blue skies. Absolutely. Amazing. Blue skies. Say it. Blue skies. Blue skies. Yes. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as Enziero Sports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving, go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD, head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.